0: But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer. Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Gola Jr. That is me. With me, as always, Brandon Newman. Brandon, what's going on?
2: Oh my gosh, Mike, let me tell you, it's been like, so exciting. Like, this whole summer has been like so wild and so crazy. It's like June already and like halfway through it. It's just like July and August, and like football is going to be like right here. It's a pretty solid valley, girl.
0: I'll give it like an eight and a like- half out of 10.
2: Oh, that wasn't a value go. That was my true feelings. Like that was just like me, like accidentally letting out like how I how I usually talk, like how I really feel and the true excitement I have of just the summer and just football right now. That was the truth coming out. Yes, that's tr- true me, true me. That was all this. All this is cap. Like this is me. Like you know, what do men sound like? So I just you know I, I, I use this
0: voice. <laughs> Oh, wow. There we go. Cosplaying a man on this podcast. (laughs) Speaking of a man on this podcast, Dominique Foxworth, writer at Anscape, former professional football player. And one of my former colleagues at ESPN going to join us on this podcast. Dominique's background is fascinating and incredibly varied from being a NFL player and a successful defensive back to being the executive vice president of the NFLPA, working for the NBA PA, and a number of other stops including Harvard Business School before he got to ESPN that make him, I think, a really interesting person to talk to. ...about some of the more serious things going on. Deshaun Watson settling 20 of the 24 civil suits against him. And now what the next steps look like for the NFLPA. As well as some other things. So very excited to talk to Dominique because he is incredibly smart and incredibly handsome as we will see on the uh, Gojo Show on Twitter, we tweeted out a picture from this Zoom interview, and Dominique got frozen on the picture that you saw, and it just happened to be, it was like, remember when Cam Newton got in that car accident and they showed him laid out on the side of the road, and he just hit the perfect smile and was stunning in the midst of all that chaos?
2: I don't remember that. I Literally, I'm thinking about those pictures of Ben Roethlisberger and his motorcycle accident.
0: Well, this one might hit closer to home for you and Notre Dame fans who listen to this podcast. Maybe you remember Notre Dame running back Cam McDaniel getting his helmet ripped off mid play and the photo taken of him, helmet off with like this beautiful, determined, soulful look on his face.
2: Through the trenches. It was beautiful. I mean, if he was already if he wasn't already famous at that point in time, you know, he's doing a lot that season, that was the moment. That was the moment for him.
0: And Dominique, somehow even more handsome than that. So, at Gojo Show on Twitter, check that out. Obviously, download, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. We appreciate everyone who checks that out. Make sure you leave us a five star rating. Make sure you leave us a review. We always appreciate those. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Mike, Mike, Mike said it and was searching at the
2: same time. I, I was means- searching at
0: the same time. Well, it means. That I saw this one, we had a suggestion because we've been asking people for this, that, and the third to offer up suggestions for what this might look like. K went uh, eighty-seven tweets or writes us in the review, five-star review. First, my suggestion for this, that, and the third: start it with nothing but a G thing intro, skip to the part of the chorus. It's like this and like that and like and stop the song, and then Brandon just says the third in his deep mm. baritone voice. It'll be gold. That's a good, that's, that's a good, that's a good, yes. Mm-hmm. I like it. He goes on to say, keep up the great work. Love the podcast. Was, love Stu Gotson Sr. in rotation on Fridays. Was bum when Golik and Wingo ended, but glad to hear both mics on the mic again. Junior, your insights are top notch. Brandon, love the energy you bring and the hot takes, even if I don't always agree. I love the fun energy you both bring while also discussing more serious topic. Great combo. I look forward to it every day. Keep up the excellent work.
2: Thank you, and I and I appreciate that. Another commenter said, I "Love you, butt, five stars. Love the show, but Brandon's basketball takes, man, woof." What so. I
0: appreciate about majority of the reviews is they are all very <laughs> loving, and we appreciate the support. It honestly, it does mean a ton. But Brandon, your takes are constantly catching a fade in these comments. I, I and I,
2: I will take them because they're authentic. It's like it's like all right, yes. I will I will stand on the ridiculous things that I think of once the topic comes because you know, we're able to learn and grow and change our mind. I haven't for a lot of things that are problematic <laughs> for a lot of people, including dinosaurs, and I can't wait for that episode. Uh but we'll we'll talk about that later. I do want to say we had Dominique Foxworth here, uh famously an amazing Baltimore Ravens, uh, uh, played very, very well for uh, the team that I root for shamelessly. But we did talk to him before we heard about the news of the passing of Jalen Ferguson and Tony the Goose Saragusa, two uh, Ravens, obviously, Jalen, 26-year-old from Louisiana Tech, uh, not sure how he passed, but saddened by the news, and then the 55-year-old Tony Saragusa, Passing in his home in New Jersey in Toms River, so uh, Colts and and the Ravens for for Goose and a legend in that first season of Hard Knocks, if you ever if everyone remembers that first season with the Ravens. So I didn't. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention those passings, especially for the Baltimore Ravens when we had a Baltimore Raven with us today.
0: Yeah, and certainly uh, condolences goes out to everyone affected by those. Obviously. It, in both cases, far too young. I mean, 25 is insane, and God, between that and Caleb Swanigan that we just saw not too long ago before that, the former Purdue basketball player who passed away at, I think, the age of 26, mm-hmm. and certainly Sarah Gusa, 55 years old, and rings true, I think, for a lot of people our age. I mean, that's our parents' age, and you know, maybe yeah. even a little bit younger than that. And so to see that, it, it is a reminder, and... I just did a video uh, with my dad for Father's Day through the NFLPA and the NFL Alumni Association uh, talking just about the importance of making sure you take care of yourself after your playing days and just how vital that is and how fortunate I felt that my dad has taken care of himself in the way that he has after a long successful NFL career and that we see so many guys that are success stories about that and so just you know make sure you're staying up to date on everything make sure you're getting yourself checked out here obviously so much can happen that you're not prepared for but man seeing guys that were as bright and you know and a part of everyone's lives as someone like Goose is certainly a reminder that check in with your people but also if you are a former player make sure you're doing everything in your power to take care of yourself with the resources that are at your disposal definitely and everyone you know men
2: need to do more checkups need to see doctors more frequently women are kind of forced to for uh certain reasons but men we need to get more checkups i, I definitely need to get in there especially looking at uh, tony saragusa i mean like this is a guy who was my idol growing up. Like this is how who I wanted to to play, like him and the the Sam Adams of the world, the Kelly Greggs who took over for him in in the middle for that Ravens defense uh, after Goose uh, was done and, and won his cha- championship in two thousand and one with the Ravens. But I see him. I see how large he is. See how large he was. And uh, I I look at myself and I need to I need to tighten up. You know what I'm saying? I need to get on that get on that Golic family plan and and, and and I don't need to be this big anymore. So I'm gonna work on it. It's going to be a, a treat for everyone who sits next to me in airplanes for the future, but uh, definitely need to take my health seriously. And I hope everyone else is doing the same.
0: Yeah. So uh, again, certainly thoughts and prayers to the Ravens community. Like you said, the Colts for goose, but they're, they're family, they're friends. I mean, this is it, tremendously sad stuff that really feels like it's been happening all too often lately. And so we, we just hope everyone continues to take care of themselves and do the best that they can in this. That's not an indictment on, uh, on anyone who was lost here, but it's just these situations are so sad that if we can get any sort of reminder or, or positive message out of this for people... Man, oh, man, it feels like we must just to kind of all keep ourselves going in the right direction. So
2: Transition, transition, transition.
0: Well, unfortunately, Brandon, the transition doesn't get much better here. You know, the the condolences for the loss there to really what's taken center stage in the NFL offseason right now with the House Oversight Committee uh, in Congress wrapping up a Wednesday hearing about the workplace environment inside the Washington Commanders building and – If anyone missed out on it as we had a congressional hearing going on today where Roger Goodell had to stand up in front of Congress where we saw so many people getting their chance to speak on the matters of the Washington football team, now the Washington Commanders, Mark Schofield over at uh, USA Today did a great job recapping this, great article recapping everything that went into this. But, Brandon, I mean, the things that we're hearing now essentially boil down for anyone that hasn't been up to speed on this. Daniel Snyder, according to a report released, so the House Oversight Committee in Congress released a report about the Washington Football Team. We know that the NFL and the Washington Football Team, there was an investigation into that, that was supposedly a third-party investigation that got clouded by a lot of circumstances. There, the House Oversight Committee released their their report on this, saying that Daniel Snyder was aware of the quote toxic culture in Washington. That while initial investigations were going on, Snyder organized parallel shadow investigations into reporters and team employees. In some cases, even using private investigators reportedly to intimidate people that may have been speaking out against him in this investigation done by Beth Wilkerson. Uh, They're also in the report saying the NFL delayed the findings of their own investigation, during which time Daniel Snyder was able to apparently talk with the league about what was going on and i think it's worth noting brandon as we look at all of this because obviously this is egg on the face for the nfl too if any of Mm -hmm. this is true and if these reports and this report indicating the nfl did not do everything they could have to go after and punish daniel snyder even though they'll point to 10 million dollar fine for the washington football team and encouraging or forcing. I don't really know if Roger Goodell is in the position to force anyone to do anything, but Daniel Snyder stepping away from the team while his wife, Tanya Snyder assumes more of the day-to-day operations roles. But in his statement, Roger Goodell, who had about a six page opening statement in this said his responses to questions from the committee member. He acknowledged the quote, unprofessional, unacceptable and toxic workplace culture in Washington. And just in focusing on that, Brandon, because we had all that going on. Meanwhile, Daniel Snyder was docking his super yacht somewhere near France, apparently in his defense, on Washington football team, Washington commanders' business, who got raked over the coals for that by everybody in Congress. The Washington football team, I keep saying that, commanders, we'll get to it, released a statement, one of those, like, I'm sorry this happened to you or congrats like this is too long I'm not going to read it for most people. I went through and read it and the amazing thing to come away from with that Brandon was that even in their own statements, even in the Washington football team who tried to lay out this very detailed report talking about, well, look at what we've done in the 18 months since then, hiring Jason Wright as the president for our team, who is a black man, Ron Rivera as the head coach of this football team, talking about Tanya Snyder and her being at the helm of this, the other women that they've put into power, basically saying,
1: basically saying,
0: yeah, Yeah. Jennifer King is a a full-time coach on here. Look at all the things that we've done in there. They pointed to all these surveys inside the team of everyone, basically saying, yeah, it's so much better now. The thing I came away from was, damn, the consensus inside the building was things are better now that Daniel Snyder isn't around. And even though he's reportedly not around, he keeps embarrassing this team every time something new with this comes up. And boy, oh boy, between this, the Gruden emails that connected back to the Washington football team and everything that went on during the course of the season, more more allegations about Daniel Snyder directly harassing some of the women involved in this team – he has got to know where everybody is buried. That's the only thing Ooh. I can keep coming up with, Brandon, because yeah. we went through what I think is a very similar situation, and I'm not the first person to make this comparison, with Jerry Richardson and the Carolina Panthers, when he was suggested yeah. move to sell that team back in 2017 or 2018 when he did after allegations of sexual impropriety, inappropriate conduct in the workplace – to see all of this continue to play out and to see almost every negative situation off the field south of Deshaun Watson in the last year pointing some way back to this team and Man. this owner I, I, I just it feels like one of those situations where we're in a league where the owners have so much power and they're the ones that are ultimately get to decide who is in their ranks and who gets pushed out of their ranks there must be some sort of fear about what this guy knows or what else this might lead to because that's the only explanation I can keep coming up for with why you would continue to let Daniel Snyder's presence embarrass everyone that's associated with the league. It's it's what you
2: said, though. There's something else that we just don't know about. There's information that we're not privy to that maybe even Roger Goodell is afraid to come out and say because he, he... Basically, told on Daniel Snyder through the four thousand emails, four hundred thousand emails that that they uh, whatever it took for this investigation. And in those emails, you saw that Daniel Snyder was talking like John Gruden was talking in inappropriately about John Gruden. I mean, about uh, what's the commissioner's name, Roger Goodell. So I, I think it's personal for Roger Goodell. Uh, the NFL constantly is a boys club that's protecting its members, especially its owners. And Daniel Snyder is just like the tip of the iceberg. And I think that's why they're afraid of cutting off that that tip because then everything else is going to show everything that's been underneath the surface is going to show its head. And clearly the Washington commanders, the Washington, R words, the, 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 Washington football team whatever their name was they've been doing some debaucherous nasty things led by their owner leader Daniel Schneider like the 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 dysfunction at the core of that franchise seems to be with the owner in, in a way that uh, you see with the Knicks and um, I mean and it's what's, like even... I, I, what's it his name the,
0: the he's in the band. Oh, J.D. Got me, got the, and... Yeah. It, well, I mean, it's it's even worse than that because that's just what appears to be dysfunction and hilariously over-intrusive management. This is like actual bad shit. Yeah.
2: Like, oh, James Dolan. James Dolan. James yes, Dolan. Yes, just for, yes, fair, fair. This is, James Dolan is anecdotal. You can make a movie about it. Dan Snyder is like, you need a true crimes investigation uh, podcast on everything that's been going on in Washington under his
0: regime. Just... Going back and looking like so much has happened around this that we tend to forget, and that's what I think they count on. In all of these situations, we always say people are counting on most everyone covering this to forget or get fatigued or feel like they're overwhelmed or feel like nothing's going to happen. And that's the unfortunate part of the situation is so far that strategy has been effective. But I keep going back to, man, if everyone is really going to try and sell, and man, I I feel for Jason Wright. Because trotting him out and trotting Ron Rivera out in front when these are about inappropriate workplace environments that tended to be hostile and toxic for everybody, but especially seems geared toward women saying, yeah. Hey, look at the people of color that work for us here now. Boy, oh boy, Ugh. does that seem disingenuous and unfair. And Jason Wright's done a phenomenal job. Ron Rivera seems revered as a man and a coach almost everywhere he's been, mainly between him and Carol- here in Carolina. But man, it just seems like in all of that seem to go back to even if you wanted to believe what this team was saying. Lord knows, believing what comes out of the Washington Commander's office right now, do it at your own risk. Even if you're going to take them at their word, it's saying, yeah, the reason this got better is because the NFL told Daniel Snyder to go away. Like how does right. that not point to and kind of indicate that most of what was being said about him and accused about him was right? in that this was in like the NFL's report, the Washington football team statement and this report all say toxic workplace environment, toxic, worst, but unacceptable, unprofessional when he was there. And then they make him go away. And all of that is somehow magically better. Like, how is that presented as defense of Daniel Snyder? Mm. In this situation. That's the part where. Again I'm sure they were counting on. Nobody's going to read all eight pages of this statement. Especially not God's internet. But as you go through that. It's like. Alright they're putting the answers to the test right here. I felt crazy reading it.
2: Yeah no. And even the. The person who's the, the uh, commander's. Chief operating officer. Uh, who's kind of uh, in charge of the cheerleaders. And the things that Dana Schneider was saying to him. Reportedly. That we, uh, his name's uh, Pauk. Palkin, he testified today or yesterday. I cannot believe the type of things that Daniel Snyder was getting away. You can because you know football culture, but I don't even know if I'm I can repeat a lot of these things and and do and do it in a way that doesn't get us in any trouble or or me in any trouble. But it it seems like he, like you said, is the core of this nasty environment that's sexualizing all the women in in those offices uh scare really chastising them in a way firing women for having relationships with other male football players or employees like the whole shit is backwards and it looks like it looks like well, I, don't, I don't see a solution at hand as long as a Snyder is, is at the helm, even if it is his wife. That's what I'm trying to say. And I, it seems like Roger Goodell is in a position to, to completely remove Daniel Snyder and whatever links they've taken to, to make it better around that facility It has worked. But even last year when they were trying to honor uh, Sean – what's the safety – that was uh, the, the amazing safety he passed, tragically. Uh, Sean Taylor? Sean Taylor. Sean Taylor. When they try to honor Sean Taylor, he's forcing his way in all the pictures. He's everywhere. He he feels like he has to be involved in the fabric of everything that happens with the Washington Commanders. And that is the issue uh, to the problem. And it, like I said, it just doesn't seem like there's any fixing it.
0: I, I would say, well, there is fixing it if the other 31 owners or 30 owners in the Packers decide, yeah, we can't have this guy continuing to make us look bad. But again, it goes back to what I said. If this was about protecting the shield, which is the shit we heard since Roger Goodell came over, we'll talk to Dominique Foxworth about it. But he was brought in as the law and order commissioner because, in their mind, there were players making the league look bad. And mm. now you've got an owner that has been making the league look bad. And he's still here. And by the way, in this process, remember, he ended up getting more ownership of the team. There was that thought that there were the other partners that were going to try and overthrow him, and instead, he ended up getting their portions of this football team. So all that's happened is, he has been around less day-to-day, owned more of this team, and now made it even clearer through his absence. It's almost like when people wanted to talk about Peyton Manning's MVP case that year that he was hurt and the Colts bottomed out and were able Mm. to get Andrew Luck. Like, oh man, look at what happens when he's gone. This is a look at what happens when he's gone situation for for the Washington Commanders. And it doesn't speak well. And I don't want to let the NFL off the hook because, again, like we said, according to this report, the committee noted that, quote, following Commissioner Goodell's second and final briefing after the Wilkinson uh, report on April 26th, in 2021, the NFL waited approximately two additional months to announce the outcome of the Wilkinson investigation. During which time, Mr. Snyder and his lawyers had private discussions with the league regarding the outcome of the investigation, including the July 2021 press release and the remedial actions required by the NFL. Because remember, they did some legal funny stuff that basically allowed them to have client, uh, client and um, lawyer, pr- you know, privileges. Yeah with the NFL and the Washington football team under essentially the same legal guidance. So, so much of this looked like funny business. So much of this has played out to indicate that, yeah, we knew things were bad. We apparently feel like we knew who was the source of all that, and yet he is still allowed to benefit from being one of the owners in this league. So, that is where we stand right now. Congress had, you know, said yesterday, and I forget which, um, uh, which sitting congressperson it was, it said they are going to subpoena Daniel Snyder and try and make him testify yes. here, which I'm not smart enough to know how effective that's going to be able to be, but that is all the things that we still have on the horizon when it comes to this, now that the House Oversight Committee has gotten involved. So it, it, it just keeps popping York. up. That
2: was the, the New York committee chair from uh, Carolyn Maloney. Okay. So, and, and from New York.
0: And so that's what they're going to try to do. And so we're going to keep talking about it because, again – If you feel like you're going crazy and you feel like you've got fatigue, I understand. But at some point, as we look around, you keep wondering if there's going to be some true accountability that comes. Because a $10 million fine, a drop in the bucket for these multi-billion dollar organizations... And just having to be around the team less, even though you still get all of the financial benefits of it, doesn't seem like that. So we will continue to watch and see what happens with this situation. We will take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll have a much more lively discussion with our friend Dominique Foxworth. I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome Stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. They just they just push notification. Odds on LeBron's next team. Where will LeBron end up if he leaves Los Angeles? We are off-season as hell Man, right now. Like, it's
2: middle of the June
0: to you the know, motherfucker. <laughs> it's it's bad it's a bad Um, time of year uh we're so out here bad but that is all instantly made better by the presence of our friend dominique foxworth who is kind enough to join us on this podcast you guys see him all over espn writing for anscape former nfl star and uh our friend most importantly dominique how you doing buddy
1: I'm good. Are we gonna, You guys are going to explain why you're in a kill room? Like, what's going on? You got a, a Dexter kill room up behind you. I know this is the video is going up and Brand, Brandon's in a garage. Who knows what he's doing out there? Why you guys set
0: up? Why you got plastic on the wall? What's going to happen?
1: Gojo, explain to me what's going to happen.
0: Or is it a sex room? Is that what it is? No, that, me- I think it'd be more of like if you were maybe into the pee stuff.
1: Yeah, that's what oh, i mean okay. there's yeah, something yeah. going on there's no ex-
0: explanation other I than it's called are <laughs> oh, you believe? I believe I, I believe I believe I believe i believe it's called, it. called the last episode of this season of atlanta oh yeah yeah no i so i i have gotten this question a lot i am currently at my parents house in south Bend, and i blame my dad Ooh, because they had some freaky thing. <laughs> I wish honestly, honestly, I would rather it be a kill room. (laughs) I would rather find out that my dad was into some Dexter shit than the alternative.
2: Hey, golden dome,
0: golden showers.
2: Oh my God.
0: Perfect. I mean, is that perfect? I don't think that's (sighs) perfect. I I mean, it
2: is. never graduates.
1: (laughs) Two against one. We like it. That's the story. I don't want any more explanation. Brad right. and I have decided that that's what that room is for. It's your parents' house. Okay? Moving on. Also, you brought up Atlanta. Atlanta is a show that I really like, but I don't understand. Okay. I
0: don't know out there, but I'm like, man, that was good. What the hell just happened? All right. So I'm glad you said that because <laughs> I have watched Atlanta and, like, I understand, like... We're dealing with someone who we consider very much like a genius in a lot of respects and all of that. I just, a lot of it, I figured like as I watched, I was like, I very much enjoy all this, but I also stand, I'm a white person watching. So a lot of this probably isn't for me. And so if I really don't understand something, I just sort of chalk it up at the game and say, all right, that probably wasn't directed towards me. But there is a lot of like real highbrow artsy stuff in there that I just feel like I'm never going to really grasp.
2: Imagine being a black person who's uh, been... Criticized for having a white voice, watching Atlanta and not getting. It. You're like, God, there's-. now I'm like, I really want to get it. <laughs> 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 need
1: to go on like uh, Urban Dictionary, uh, Atlanta <laughs> episode. The, there's, there's some real like when you have enough success that can't nobody tell you nothing. Sometimes that's when you get the best art, and also sometimes when people go a little too far. Cause I suspect that he had enough success that they was, they appreciate any episodes he was going to give them. But so it's one of those shows. It reminds me a little bit of first season of um, Westworld or was it the second, Mm. I think it was the second season of Westworld. Yeah. Yeah. The second season of Westworld where at the end of every episode, I'm like, man, this shit was good. And then I had to, watch a, an explainer afterward, <laughs> right? And, and, and then i go tell my friends and they go present it to my friends like i completely understood it right. one time through so it's i mean
0: it's You're not watching it right
1: yeah yeah i was like you gotta and i try to act like i know so that's that's an allusion to alice in wonderland you missing it it's deeper than that so i just read that morning on <laughs> vox <laughs> I,
0: so when we talk we talked to katie nolan about how like what she's covering baseball right now and she said a lot of times sports fans tend to turn recess into homework with how much we hyperanalyze so much of this stuff and make it so serious. I think that sometimes does happen with TV because the amount of time for especially shows on HBO that I will spend, like you said, like, I always said HBO does a really good job with like supplemental programming where they give you a website with all this stuff or a podcast. And that's like, wait a minute, I got content for my content that is like required reading. Like I can't come to class without this shit, or I will not be up to date on the discussion.
2: No, I don't <laughs> I would I wanna I wanna co-sign that, but I know your ass read all them Harry Potter books before you watch the movie. <laughs> so I don't even want I don't even want to hear it. That's I don't even want to hear it. I said I don't want to hear it so here's yeah, my- understanding. <laughs> right so uh, with, but with atlanta though with atlanta i i think i saw a a interview with donald glover right before the season started and he starts saying that he was making soprano level television and i was like oh i shouldn't even feign i shouldn't even attempt to understand this next season like I should expect it to go over my head if he's trying to say that he's making soprano level stuff because I thought it was really really good television when it was just the characters you know Doughboy and everybody earned and now we're just stepping into okay here's what else is going on in this world
1: well you sounded real white when you said Doughboy because the man's name is Paperboy but but I'm gonna let you slide on that one Brandon you're good
0: you're good you're good on that one but
1: the Sopranos, like I've I rewatched the Sopranos, or not rewatch, I watched it for the first time a couple um, months ago. And the Sopranos isn't like this. This is this is different. This is artsy. This is like the, the movies that you pretended to like in college because that one girl liked them. Like <laughs> that's what this is. This is not this is not Sopranos stuff. I I actually think like the first couple of seasons was more like the Sopranos and probably better. actually I know that's sacrilege to say, but it's like when you have those arguments about like could LeBron play in the sixties or something like, of course, like, yeah. Sure. So maybe, maybe Bill Russell was ahead of his time back then, but LeBron is way ahead of that. So I feel like most TV right now, honestly, is better than the Sopranos. <laughs> maybe not like most, the most of the exaggeration, but the top of the top, as far as television is concerned, is better than the Sopranos. I just watched it a couple months ago and it does not compare And the wire. If you watch, we, we own the city. Are we on the streets yet? I haven't seen I you. Yet. I, I heard, I heard the comparisons. Watch that. It's it's fantastic. There's a little bit of monologue in towards the end that might get a little boring, but it's good and I'm from Baltimore so I particularly you like.
0: You stopped short obviously of saying it was better than The Wire because I feel like that's a bridge you're no, no, not no, willing. No no to
1: no no no, no 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 no. No no no. Yeah, I can't do that. I even if I even if I believed it, it is I can't do it. It's it's just asking for trouble that you don't want.
2: Speaking of whiteness, Mike has never seen The Wire.
0: Ooh. That's
1: That's that's uh, that's a surprise. I feel like you are the perfect white for this. Like you are you are the exact (laughs) perfect white demographic. It's like you're progressive minded. You would you would love the wire. I don't know how you would feel about the doc season, though. That's, oh, that's like I, the white season at a wire. Yeah, wow. say, yeah.
0: So, You know what? This is honestly, this is real growth for me and Dominique and shows how far our friendship has come because Brandon, I don't know uh-huh. if you know this the first time Dominique and I were ever on air <laughs> together. And I've told this story a bunch at this point because I love it so much, but it was one of the first times I was on radio and it was like a holiday where a bunch of us were filling in on Mike and Mike. And so it was like me, Adnan Verk, And then I think, Dominique was on one side and was it Ryan Clark that was on the other side with us? And so we were up there and I believe this is around the time a lot of the discussion around Colin Kaepernick was becoming uh, very like much the media conversation. And so I'll never forget. I'm next to Adnan in the middle of the four of us on set. It is Dominique and Ryan Clark on either end. And they had both been talking first on this. And I went in to start saying something in the middle of this discussion. And Dominique looks at me and goes, don't worry, Creamy. We got this one.
1: (laughs) I was trying to be a good teammate, my guy. I, was, yeah, I oh knew wow. I, I could. I could hear some. There was some shakiness in your voice. You saw the fear in his eyes.
2: He's like, oh, he's he gonna jump in. He's like the double dutch. He's like, oh, he's about to jump. Yeah, about
1: to in. But it wasn't. It wasn't. He wasn't. He didn't have that double dutch bounce. Like he, it was a little bit hesitant. And then he tried to get up in there. And he was sitting between me and RC. So that's that's where creamy came from. Because it felt like he was a cream in the middle of a very very delicious Oreo. And mm-hmm. I decided that. Creamy could still take a take a. I mean, that's, I, I wouldn't ask my run my running back to to make any tackles. So well, I'm gonna ask my Creamy to for, to break down <laughs> Colin Kaepernick.
2: No, especially at that point in time in the game. I oh. think this was it was kind of geared for y'all to make yeah. y'all plays. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah,
1: yeah. Mark, I don't we were we, we was down by a lot of points. We needed we needed to air it out. and He trying to ground him pound. Relax, man. Yeah. Eh? <laughs> After, after we get this thing to the end zone,
0: we hand it off to you. You
1: can talk about baseball
0: or some shit. <laughs> after they get to the end zone, it's like when receivers score and they find a lineman and they hand him the ball so he can oh spike gosh. it in the end zone. They're like, here, yeah, we will it. give the nuanced conversation about that very polarizing <laughs> issue, and then we will allow you to take us to break, but we'll talk coming up next about the top five yeah. quarterbacks heading into the 2017 just- <laughs> NFL season. It's just that when it comes to issues of
1: race, I got a bigger catch radius than you. Whether mm. whether you like it or not, it's like I can say things, and people will be like, "Hmm," or they could get upset, but they bite their tongue. That if you said them, they be like they'd be up in arms. They be up in, at the station, like so. I just say, "Want you to go there because I know how you feel. I know what you was thinking, and I all you had to do was mm 'Mm-hmm, that's right.' <laughs> I said, boy, I <laughs> a little chip block, just give by my TV a little extra time, <laughs> baby." <laughs>
0: Oh, oh, a, re- gotta, a racial a chip kick block. Slot. Yeah, that's
2: it. You're mm-hmm. you saving, you're saving Gojo from going in. It's like, you know, when I when I think about Colin Kaepernick, <laughs> Ryan Lochte comes to mind, and everything. <laughs> <that> is- <laughs> yeah,
1: I just, I mean, I felt like RC dropped back the pass, and you, we needed ten yards for a first down, and you was running a six yard curl. It was like, I don't want to throw it to you. Then you got to break tackles. You got to cut out. I, I was thirteen oh, yards downfield. Let me get it.
0: Let me get it. Creams. It was it was one of the very, very early times where I learned the lesson that you don't have to be involved in every conversation. And it is okay to defer to people who know a lot more about you, especially when you're a dumbass 26 year old kid trying to make sure no one knows that he's about to fuck this up on TV. So there was that whole portion of things. Dominique, in in leaning into your expertise, though, You've heard me say this over the years. I like you have one of the more fascinating and diverse backgrounds, career-wise, of anyone that we know. Working in the NFLPA, the NBA Players Association, Harvard Business School—all these different facets—and I, I wanted to tap into the NFLPA part of things because we got the news of Deshaun Watson settling twenty of the twenty-four civil lawsuits that he has had, and uh, that's obviously been a dominant story of this off-season. Four remaining lawsuits that will continue to go forward, including the original woman who made the accusation against Hassan Watson. But part of this that I thought has been pretty under-talked about, and, and I'm sure people have heard you on the, uh, Foxworth Friday on the right time with Imani Jones, and you guys have talked about this as it's gone along, but the NFLPA's role in all of this, Dominique, as someone who was at one point in time very high up in the NFLPA, what's the approach – like in this situation for someone like Deshaun Watson who all of us on the outside can look at and have certain strong feelings about what he's been accused of and how this has transpired but for someone sitting in the PA chair what are the next steps of this kind of look like
1: I mean it's not unlike being a uh, like a judge I guess in that you're not looking at this at least when I was there you're not looking at the specific cases you're looking at the process you're trying to protect The process because you can give up rights that you'll never be able to get back Mm. in the interest of like punishing someone that you think deserves to be punished and it's not our job in the PA to punish it's not our job in the PA to try to skirt punishment for the players but it is our job to force that to force the league to to respect the rights that we've bargained for and the rights that have not have yet to be bargained for because not every circumstance can be addressed in the CBA new things come up. And then when those new things come up, it's a, it's a land grab. Like it's essentially what it is, is we're trying to gobble up as much like protections and rights and leniency as our play for our players, as we can, while the league is trying to gobble up as much control as they can. And the scariest part, I think, the scariest thing is the kind of wrongdoers are in the minority and in our haste to make sure that those guys get the punishment because we don't want them really in the league either. Not that we want them out of the league, but we don't want them doing that because they're affecting us. They're affecting the way we're perceived. They're affecting the amount of money that comes in because I probably, like, nobody wants that. But that's such a small number that it feels like What will end up happening? And this happened to us is uh, they've changed the rules now so that the the discipline is decided by third party. Then the commissioner essentially has final veto power over it. But in the past, when we were going through all this stuff before, uh, right when Roger took the job, he took the job because there was a perception that the athletes were kind of out of control, getting in a lot of trouble. It was like 10 guys out of 1,400. And we as players were like, yeah, we got to do something about this. And then that allowed them to set the precedent of the commissioner unilaterally uh, doling out punishments. And then we lived under that umbrella until this recent CBA. And that was a mistake as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, and you're right. It's always this fight for what ends up becoming precedents here. And... I'm sure, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, there are so many smaller instances that don't have anything to do necessarily with off-the-field impropriety or allegations of this severity, but things that go on all the time where the Players Association has to go and like take the league to court for things that they're doing to players in much smaller instances, that's a much more like frequent process than something like this, right? yeah but it's not interesting (laughs) who wants to talk about the tiny grievances these big things come up
1: and that's one of the reasons why i was like happy to leave union work is it's like the president nothing gets to your desk that isn't already an impossible problem to solve like we don't have to fight about all these little things or at least even if we're fighting about these little things it doesn't matter the only stuff anytime you hear the executive director of the players association or the president of the players association it's always around something like this right? like we or it's around cba negotiations which again is something that doesn't look good because it's wealthy people fighting over money like it's not like you get to be the commissioner and you get to uh dat people up when they when or they get drafted or you get to hand over the super bowl trophy like being the executive director like it bleeping sucks (laughs) the only press that you get is like and look at this asshole over here trying to defend Deshaun Watson it's like oh look at this asshole over here keeping us from football trying to to go on a strike or lockout and withstand this lockout like that don't nobody want to do that ain't enough money well there is enough money but I got enough money that there ain't (laughs) enough money for me to to for me to expose myself to that that level of stress on a daily basis. Well, why do, why people, why people, why sign up?
2: There we go. And You're back.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> why people be doing that?
2: Why people why doing, be, doing why, that why be over there doing that then? No, but see, like for NFL players, like what's the incentive to even get in the game?
1: Yeah. As far as like fighting over this stuff with the league. Yeah. yeah I mean, I think the the incentive is to protect yourself because you don't know when it's going to come. Like it's the same incentive. I feel like while people take to the street for other issues of injustice, you know, it's like you, it feels like a bit hyperbolic because this is not life or death, but it kind of, in some ways, it feels like it is when you've like sacrificed all of your youth, essentially to get to this spot. The idea that that could be taken from you without like, due process and air quotes, so to speak. Like, it feels like life or death to me. I remember the, the saddest I've ever been was the best season I had as a football player in the NFL. Fucking depressed. <laughs> like, um, I got traded to Atlanta during my contract year. And Atlanta, it was the year after Vic had gone to jail, speaking of discipline issues. Um, and so Matt Ryan was the quarterback. I thought we were going to suck. I needed to play well on a good team to get paid. And I went down there. We turned. It turned out to be everything was good. But like, like I got there week before or four days before game one, and I was at the bottom of the depth chart. And so like I started thinking about what I'm going to do next, because what I wasn't trying to be was a guy who bounced around the league and never got a big payday. And I knew that if this season, if that season didn't work out, I was going to be that guy. So I was, I was playing well, but I wasn't leaving my hotel room. Uh, or my apartment once i finally got one and i wasn't talking to nobody i wasn't i moved into a new city it's a very fun city i didn't have no fun i went to the pink pony one time with the guys and i was like nah we i ain't here
0: for this I, i'm here for something else it, you know what it's so interesting and like not to go off on too much of a tangent in this but shit it's podcasting I, it, that actually like, reminds me a lot of, obviously didn't have the you know long NFL career, but in college, my best year, I was a late bloomer. I didn't start to my last two years and really the second half of my true senior year. And my fifth year senior year where I was taking like nine credit hours, only three of which were on campus – and I was actually a starter on a team that was doing really well. I look back on it now and it was an awesome experience, but it was exactly what you just described. Like the vast majority of the people i had come into college with were gone. I was essentially a professional athlete at that point. Yeah. And I was playing for a new coach that was the best coach I've ever had, a guy I love to this day, but was a hard dude to play for. And I all I was worried about was staying on the field because I'll never forget week three of that season. I hadn't been playing great. And the coach called me into his office and was like, Hey man, listen, if you keep making these mistakes, I can let a freshman make these mistakes and learn and get better for the future. Like you either got to sack up now and get this done or we'll find somebody else. And it was just that constant pressure of like, yeah, I don't know if I ever go off the field, if I'm getting back on. So it is amazing how this (laughs) thing that from the outside looks like such an incredible time. Like I look back, I'm like, no, actually a lot of that was kind of stressful and miserable for, (laughs) for a vast majority of that time, which, you know, shit, Uh, if that ain't football, I don't know what is, but. uh, Made you stronger or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Was spe- speaking of trying to take lessons from places where there might not be them, this live golf situation just got really oh, interesting. Yeah. I know, and and everyone can also check Dominique out on uh, Debatable, an uh, internet uh-huh. TV show that involves actually no debate, but... In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Everyone's been talking about this live golf stuff, and the original premise from Phil Mickelson was. I want to use this as leverage to force the PGA to give us more of what we want. Now, for a lot of reasons since then, that's become less believable from Phil, who we know has been dealing with gambling addiction, who has found himself in a ton of debt and likely just needed a huge influx of cash that the Saudi government was willing to give him. Then we get the news coming out from the PGA that now all of a sudden they're going to have these special in-season tournaments with $20 million pots and there's no cuts and it's for the top 50 players in the world. And all of a sudden we're adding up this money and going, wait a minute. So you had this all the time and now you're going to start giving this out all because this league that no one's actually watching has now stolen, you know, in addition to D- Dustin Johnson and Phil Mickelson, Brooks Kepka, and some other names that are starting to look a little more like the ones you actually want to keep around. So Dominique, I don't want to say it 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 worked because like Phil and these guys aren't going to get the benefit of it, and I don't believe that was their true intention, but but it worked as a leverage point, it (laughs) did work. Yeah,
1: I mean the people who sacrifice at the front are never as your father will tell you, are never the ones because your dad endured a strike and so that I could get paid. I appreciate that. But he didn't get the check, (laughs) he didn't get the check that we got, and that's the way that it is, and certainly not trying to paint um phil mickelson or any of these guys as as a martyr and i think it's appropriate for us also to point out like aligning yourself with the saudi government is awful for any number of reasons from the homophobia and the journalists murdering and 9 11 commission report like there are many reasons why you don't want to align yourself with the saudi government um i'm hesitant to say however i'll just go period new thoughts yep (laughs) the the um the golfers are not unionized and they don't have the same leverage they end up being independent and they're all kind of fighting against each other as long as they're fighting against each other to make money the pga has an advantage because they're essentially uh monopsony they're the only place you can go to apply your craft so uh, if you're not going to unionize and apply pressure. Um, and have a collective bargaining agreement or have some sort of revenue split, then the only other way to increase the revenue is to threaten to walk away or to actually walk away. So whether they want to admit it or not, the Live Golf Tour has worked, and all the players who are going to stay at PGA are going to benefit from this Live Golf Tour. And as long as they can, if I were, from a strategic standpoint, The longer there is some competition out there, the better off that these current golfers will be because they can threaten to walk away at any moment. And the Saudi government has bottomless pockets. So it will impact the PGA Tour. And the PGA Tour needs to kill this golf tournament at some point because they're going to be getting hit from both sides. Because one, they're going to have to pay out more to keep their top talent. And then two, their revenue might go down because if there i don't think that it's we have an unlimited bandwidth for watching golf content and if live is actually becomes compelling enough golf that it siphons off some of the viewers who are like man i I ain't gonna watch x tournament this week in the live golf tournament this week and then that impacts their like tv rights if it if they determine that if sponsors determine that going live, which I guess companies are probably less likely to go that direction. But if sponsors determine that there are less eyeballs on this, so we're not going to pay nearly as much. We're getting more bang for our buck somewhere else like that impacts the money. So I'm not sure how long their TV deals are set up for right now. But before they get into negotiations again, even if it's not true, the fact that that leverage exists, the TV executive is going to be in there like, man, we can't pay you like that. You got live golf over here like blowing up. We can't pay you this type of money because our viewers are watching that also. So they're in a tough spot all because they wanted to play hardball. Because as I understand it, the golfers have been asking for these changes for a while. And they was like, nah, we can't do that. Which everyone knew was a lie. Just like we know when NFL and NBA teams, like where we can't afford this. Yeah. It's a lie. Your, your asset value has gone up 300% in the last 10 years. Chill out, handle over, fork over some bucks to the workers. Well, yeah, anybody we, we, who's
2: worked any corporate job know there's a big difference between can't and won't. and yeah. it's usually we ain't doing that. but yeah. you said that PGA the needs to, yeah exactly., uh, but you said pga tour needs to kill off the the live tournament. I, because it's an alternate league, won't the bubble just burst eventually? like why why not, why not why doesn't the pga just take a set a seat back and just let the chips fall where they may decide to have certain punishments cutting people out for, for going playing X amount of games. Or, uh, I just don't understand why, why be reactionary right now when we're at the very beginning of this, the the money is so new right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think because it could potentially get harder to kill. Don't let that baby get become an adult. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like the, and if you start, um, if you start like banning players, All you need is if, like you set the precedent that, all right, a player participates in tournament, we ban them. All you need is one of your top guys to do it. Then your hand is forced. (laughs) You got to ban them. And then once your top guys no longer come into your tournaments, your ratings go down, your ratings go down, your money goes down. And then you have to pay even more to keep the guys over there. Like it's, it's, I can see this ugly cycle starting. And if they were smart, I mean, what they, what you would normally do in this situation with the, nba and nfl did was like mergers like you you buy up the afl or you buy up the aba but you can't do that with them because one it's the saudi government and two you ain't got enough money to buy them even if america would stand for it so they're gonna have to figure out a way to to keep their golfers which is gonna be pay them and try to undercut this league any way they can otherwise they're in trouble
0: yeah well and it also would require that like the Saudis actually care about putting on a golf league. That is of value. Like they care about the continued headlines coming up. Like I heard you and Bomani having this discussion about if the sports washing is actually working here. And I would say it's not because Phil said the quiet part loud first. Like, Uh Phil is the one that kind of, I think, messed up how most of these situations, if you are the entity looking to wash your reputation through sports and the distraction it provides, you can't have someone come out and give up the game first. Like, when people make all these comparisons to the NBA in China or all this other stuff, like, that wasn't your entry point to how you started consuming this league. This first one was still saying all these things, what he thought was off the record, and everyone finding that out. So now even every bit of news that comes up for them, because they are just want the headlines of Brooks Kepka coming over to play live golf, every time that happens, we all cycle back to, we know this is bad because we have been given the answers to the tests already. And so once we know that this was just an effort by them purely to keep making headlines, I don't think you'd see any true merger like that. Like this is purely just... Yeah. Hey, we think we can light enough money on fire to keep you distracted long enough for to get some us to get some of the other things that we want done.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think the sports washing is an interesting one. I think in there, obviously, they'd rather it their sports washing or their headlines to not include all the transgressions that make uh, people repulsed by by the government and the country. However, like Bomani and I disagreed a little bit on this one. I guess I didn't really come to a full conclusion, but I didn't agree with him that it does not, it completely does not work because I feel like there's also a bit of the flood in the zone where it's like, if you keep hearing about like this particular group, and even if it's bad stuff, it's mixed in with good stuff. We keep thinking as a golf tournament, you get more and more comfortable with it. And I think it does ha- it does wear on you at some point. To the point where you just like it's a part of life now for you, whereas the only time I heard about this Saudi government was when oil prices were too high or when we was talking about 9-11 or talking about Jamal Khashoggi. Like, those are the things. Those are the things that I associate with them now. I associate a golf tournament with them. So, like, I think it's also just like taking up more real estate in your in your mind for what this thing can represent. And it's not going to change overnight, but. I don't and I also don't think that they care much what we think. I think it's more about like the golf viewing public, like the type of people that are making the deals that they are in pursuit of, those type of people. Uh, yeah, it's hard for me to jump in their head and yeah. and figure out what motivates them and how this impacts the, the way that they feel about this stuff.
0: I think everything you just described about this situation though does sound eerily reminiscent, like a large body of largely independent contracts working against something, an entity that has a lot of leverage traditionally over them. Like it's what the NCAA has been for so long. Like we've watched that in the way that they've squeezed college athletics for so long. So that's why all of this sounds like stuff that even if it isn't a world of golf that I'm a lot less familiar with, it is very similar to the world that we've all lived pretty intimately And now we're at a time where people just have a little bit more information and there's been a little bit more help from some parties with power to kind of offer an assist that allows you to create a little bit more space and a little more earning power for a lot of these folks. So that's certainly an interesting part of that, but uh, that's also very heavy. Dominic, I did want to also get to this with you before we uh, let you go out of here because there has been so much going on with crypto in sports for a very long time. And we had the article coming out, or at least the Twitter headline that people started to run with of the biggest sports stars who had suffered salary losses by taking their salary in crypto. And there were people that popped up and started throwing Trevor Lawrence's name out there because apparently in April He partnered with Blockfolio to have his entire $24 million rookie signing bonus paid in crypto. According to that chart, the $24 million would only be worth about $9 million today because Bitcoin, like a lot of crypto, has taken an absolute beating lately. Now, people have pointed out, you don't know when any of his losses were realized, if his stuff is still in crypto, yada, yada, yada. But Dominique, have you been surprised how many athletes were so quick to like Start not only endorsing this stuff because we've seen plenty of that, but to actually put that kind of skin in the game.
1: Not surprised. <laughs> like, I mean, be in your early twenties and have something like crypto seemed cool. It seemed fun. Uh, when I was in business school, was when I first heard about it, and I was some of my classmates was like, "Yeah, you got to get on this crypto stuff." And I was like, "This is the whole reason why I came to business school to not get in on scams." It's like this feels so scammy. Like I didn't come here to like. And maybe it's not, maybe there is some value to it, but one of the things that piece of advice that I was given a long time ago before business school was don't invest in anything you don't understand. (laughs) And Mm. um, no matter how many times people explained it to me, I just didn't get the value in it. And then like arguing like, But then we can decentralize and we don't have to be like beholden to the U.S. dollar. And all I thought was, and this is probably my blackness shining through, is that the U.S. government, the FBI, the CIA, they know what's going on. We're not escaping them. Like you think that you and your friends in a basement going to put together a currency that can supersede the United States government? Boy, stop like that. It just didn't make sense to me. And like, so many of my classmates, a couple of my classmates like made billions of dollars, like for real billions of dollars because they got in when it was early and that's fine. I look back like, man, wish I'd have put some in. I'd have been happy to take out what I could take out. But at the time I, it didn't make sense. And it just seemed like, and maybe it's not over. Maybe it'll it's going to go back up. I know a lot of people believe that this is a momentary crash, but the hard part, the thing that's most difficult for me to get behind this is, like I mentioned, like, I don't, most startups, most new ideas, most innovations have a function. And this to me doesn't have a function. It's mm-hmm. like I don't get what value it provides that's more than like the digital currency that already already exists. Like essentially none of us touch dollars anymore. So like our money is already pretty much digital. And I just didn't understand that what's the value proposition. Like if when electricity was a like a new innovation or discovery being able to harness it like oh we can turn our lights on now that's value you you know what i mean like that's a a world changing value and every time someone explained to me why i should use crypto i was like i mean i'm not selling no buying drugs like uh, i don't know like i don't know what value this has to me right well like.
0: It, it has like very much the same feel because like crypto and NFTs have both come to prominence in popular culture at the same time. And my introduction to NFTs was Brian Windhorse going on ESPN Daily talking about NBA Top Shot and Crypto Kitties, yes. which was yeah. some sort of like weird collector's item. And like, that made sense to me because then they were like, oh yeah, this is just digital trading cards. And I'm like, all right, trading cards are something that did not have a function, but had sentimental value to people were something that people, you know, got nostalgic about would collect for whatever reason they had, but it wasn't something that was going to monopolize their life or really threaten their hard earned dollars in a way that a lot of this stuff seems to now, because now Whereas trading cards were something you just did. It was a habit and then maybe people made money off it who were selling it. This one seems to have a lot more people that I feel like are pulling strings that make me uncomfortable. Like if you look up with any of this, there always seems to be someone in control and whether it is the U S government or centralized banks or something like I'm not free all of a sudden, just because I've stuck (laughs) my money in a place where different rich people have told me to put it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the NFT thing I can get
1: behind, I haven't bought any, but like, I understand that the same way I understand understand the value in art like that makes sense to me and um it's something like collectibles that makes sense to me it's something that I understand and like my kids like to buy stuff for like fortnite skins and stuff like I get it I would never do it because like I did not grow up in this digital world where I live my life online I don't care what my avatar looks like as long as he busts shots like I don't it don't matter (laughs) <laughs> but that, that's how I feel. But I get that. Like that makes sense to me. And then like the the value of um like NFTs and that you can use them to get special uh like special benefits with certain companies and like whatever, like that, all understand I understand all that. That has value to me. But just the crypto, and I'm sure your mentions are gonna get completely blown up. There's a a couple of really good um podcasts that I listen to and articles that I read that like really reinforced my view. And I, maybe I was looking for this view, but it really helped me understand what I was feeling. And the feeling was, but what do you do? Like, what, like, yes. what is, what is this value? What, what, I don't know. And doesn't, I mean, it's fine. Like pet rocks, people bought, bought those back in the day. And maybe this is going to be like that. Or maybe we are, uh, if, if we all switch over to like cryptocurrency, I just want y'all to know that the U.S. government is still going to be running that. They they know everything. They know who you are. I know you think that you incognito because you click that little button in your Google Chrome. No, they know <laughs> all about everything. They can get your crypto out your wallet. I guarantee it. I don't care what you think.
2: Well, the biggest difference between Pet Rocks and cryptocurrency is it ain't rich people telling you to buy Pet rocks, yes, that's my issue. (laughs) it was the rich, the way the rich people were pushing cryptocurrency, Mike. I'm telling you, and then the celebrities are you sure Big Rock
0: isn't out there? Some guy who was in charge of Big Rock just sitting there on his job right now. How do you think he got that nickname? He's
2: chipping it off, he's just selling little pet rocks. No, but when when the celebrities (laughs) start coming out. When the celebrities start coming out, I, I start getting nervous. Like, whoa, whoa, this remind me like Obama in the last stretch. Watch the, watched the <laughs> Boondocks episode, Dick Ride and Obama, Obama. Like, it's like, okay, oh, hold up, hold up, y'all trying to get in my pockets for real now. Now I got Tom Brady and Steph Curry. Like, this ain't this turning into Subway out here. Like, I already noticed yeah, already.
1: That's that's for damn sure. So whenever you see somebody online like I made ten million dollars selling and buying real estate. Let me show you how, you know, if I know how to make $10 million in a week, you know what I'm not going to do? Tell your ass about it. So <laughs> um, like, They are not out here telling you to look out for you. And then the other thing is you mentioned like the people in the commercials and the style of commercial. I think Bomani did one on his um, TV show about this, did like a piece about this It's like, that should scare you the way that those commercials are marketed. Like they are aiming them at like, They use the same strategies as like energy drink companies where it's like, this is cool. This is fun. Don't get left out (laughs) for investments for investments. Y'all better chill out. Maybe it's making money for somebody, but it ain't making money for the people who are getting lured in. And then they like, they um, sandwich them in between gambling companies. They use the same sales tactics as gambling companies. You know, who is not getting rich. The person who, uh, who used the QR code on a Super Bowl commercial. Come on. Has anybody ever gotten rich from getting an investment opportunity from the most watched? Like the whole point of investing is getting in early. If they are selling it at the Super Bowl, it's too late.
0: If the, worth, worthwhile advice in a lot of ventures. If they're selling it at the Super Bowl, you have probably gone too far on this I would you know what right though it did remind me because even the live league like you saw the promo videos they were putting out on that and it looked like ED like an EDM festival there were people with face paint they're blowing bubbles there was one I appreciated in their ad at least there was one random old guy who just looked at the camera and smiled as he's around all these 20 somethings who I'd imagine are on some substances that have made this experience even more fun for them like that was at least the one honest moment where like there's gonna be some random old person who probably shouldn't be here who's just you know kind of got well, in and saw the door open and walked in to see what why the light was on
2: yeah they they i saw the old man on his little cart and then i saw on the one white child that was there with no friends uh no one around him and i listen the crypto reminds me of a publishing clearinghouse i ain't seen nobody with a big check i ain't seen nobody i said i don't know if anyone who's ever got that knock on their door and and i i know i know some people that, that hit a lick gambling and it's far and few in between and it was a couple thousand thousand dollars and half that shit was in taxes, so it's if it sounds too good to be true, usually is. Yeah, worth worthwhile. But don't advice. take
1: investment advice from us.
0: Yeah, no, that's very true. And also, if you're like one of those crypto gangs online that keeps hacking sports writers' accounts and using them to peddle that stuff, please, I don't mean you any harm. You guys keep doing yeah. your thing over there. I want. I'm not here to anger you guys. I don't want crypto people in my mentions. You guys keep doing your thing. I just don't want to see Trevor Lawrence lose a bunch of money. He's already had to play for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And that seems like that sucked enough. Like at the very least, he should get to keep his money if he has to spend a year getting coached by Urban Meyer. That that to me seems like a fair trade-off here. I just want to see the young man keep his money. But uh
2: listen. I will well, well, I will say since we're going back to our college, we were talking about you know NCAA a little bit. I didn't get an offer from Urban Meyer at Florida, and I was like, Oh, he knows football. I was like, I, I feel like I got everybody I got everybody tricked when, when Urban Meyer didn't offer me. I was like, no, this guy, he knows what he's doing.
0: <laughs> this guy's smart. I like it. I respect that. Respect yeah. it. And then you had to watch Whoa. Jack. what happened in Jacksonville this year and go, you know what? Maybe I was that good. I was nice like that. <laughs>
1: oh man i like i, I like that he was running a racket and so was he so he was like <laughs> I, I know i know somebody tricking people when i see him good
0: work <laughs> game recognized game like when you're oh. done playing come over here and i got a job for you you can recruit <laughs> for me <laughs> you ever played tight end oh, oh guys Read Dominique Foxworth over at Anscape. Check him out on Debatable, The Right Time with Bamani Jones for Foxworth Fridays, and all over ESPN. Dominique, thank you for coming down here into my uh, basement kill dungeon and having a podcast with us.
1: Uh, we determine it's not a kill dungeon, but we don't have to talk about that. Goodbye. <laughs> Damn it.
0: Awesome stuff from our friend Dominique. Thank him so much for giving us some time. Brandon, before we get to one of our favorite parts of every podcast, I want to give you an opportunity. Mm. Is there anything the last day or so has happened that you want to come clean to me about? Like, is there uh... any truth you want to tell me about... Anything yeah. that's happened in the last 24 hours or anything that's gone on in our lives or anything like that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Not, 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 not the last 24 hours is longer than that. Probably the last, I don't do math well, but last few weeks. Um, I want to come clean about man ponds real quick. I don't think I've, I've done that. Big Black, shout out. Talk about RIPs. Rest in peace to Big Black from Rob Dyrdek. Big and Black. Uh, Robin Big. Robin Big fame. They introduced manpons to the world circa 2022, you know, or no, 2002, uh, you know, it was in the back of my psyche. I still contend that when manpons were created, when I rolled up the manpon and shoved it in my cheeks and it became a staple in my life, the dirty brown staple, it was original to me. It was like the time where I thought I came up with the... The, your mama's joke, your mama's so short, she can hang glide on a Dorito. I thought I made that up. Then I heard it, and I was like, oh, other people came up with that. So I want to come clean and say, I'm still, I'm still going to list it as an invention of mine, but I will pay homage to Christopher Big Black Boykins uh, and, and, and his, him putting on the public to man ponds as a hygiene-specific solution well before this podcast was started. So that's, that's what I want to I say. That's
0: very big of you. We got a lot of com- uh, comments about that when we put the video out there. This to me uh, applies to the Simpsons theory that nothing original remains. Like, the joke is always in like comedy, and especially in animated comedy. The Simpsons did it. Like You're not yes. going to come up with something new at this point. The Simpsons did it. And so, yes, maybe that soundtrack was playing in the back of your head, but I still give you credit for executing in a tremendous jingle and for writing a great Thank copy you, that Stu Gotts was able to read for us. But we Thank do you, pay sir. homage and give credit to those that deserve it, especially when we find out that we have been operating with blinders on that being said, I'm glad you brought that up because one I had forgotten about that. And two, that is not what I was going to ask you to come clean about. I was going to ask you to come clean about lying about being late to do this podcast because your wife demanded a back scratch when really you were out here eating Rice Krispie treats. <laughs> Hey, I got boots on the ground and I got info on the inside. So when you text me, Hey, it's going to be about another 10 minutes. My wife demands a back scratch. And then I oh, found out that back scratch was apparently already done by the time I got that text. And now all of a sudden there's a pan of true. rice krispies that you just been going to town on here. I got to come and I got to wonder what else my teammates keeping from me.
2: No, that is not true because I, I literally was going to get a rice krispie treat that my mom, my mom, Jesus, it's if you're oh, married. No. Oh you, you no, understand. you understand the forty and slip. If you're married, my wife made rice krispie treats from scratch. She started doing it, and she's like, "There's no health benefits to this. There's no like, like there's damn near there's pork in in marshmallows. Marshmallows is just like candy." So, anyways. So I was thinking, I was like, should I get a little sliver? Should I cut me some right before we record? It's like, you know what? I don't want no kernels stuck in my teeth. I can get, I get after, get go ham sandwich on the rice krispie treats after we record. I'll wait. So I don't know what I don't know what little cahoots y'all in, but she got a good ass back rub. She made good ass rice krispie treats. I, there was no exchanging of hands mixed in between the two. I feel like there's some stuff you need to come clean about. I
0: don't know what the hell you're talking about, honestly and truthfully. All I know is that I am thankful to have such a wonderful friendship with your wife so that I can be alerted when all of a sudden the things that I am hearing are not necessarily the things that are happening.
2: That's bullshit. That's bullshit. I text you out, scratching her back. I laughed at your response, said, you better go do that then. And she was like, mm, What are you laughing at? I said, Mike, text me back. And I, and so I don't, don't even, ooh. Who I don't want to paint Michelle as a liar on this podcast. Wow, because that's the last thing she wants you, to do. I'm telling you, but you ju-
0: You just called her mom. I don't know if you want to keep going down this road. You, you are, you already uh, done fucked up. Man, what else we got? Oh, any time oh, for? Well, you know what? We do have one, one other thing that we do need to correct. You are right. Okay. Yes. Is, okay. Yes. We will get this out of the way. So. Talking with Dominique Foxworth, we did talk about Trevor Lawrence and that reported tweet and the internet graphics going out there that he had lost something like $15 million of his signing bonus by taking it all in crypto. That is not the case. As Trevor Lawrence came out and corrected on the internet... That was not his NFL signing bonus. Trevor Lawrence, who signed a contract and a pretty lucrative one with Blockfolio, who is the parent company of FTX, which is one of those crypto wallets, paid Trevor Lawrence an incredible amount of money. They're not sure what the specifics of the deal are, But it also included a lucrative signing bonus, which he took entirely in crypto, which makes perfect sense if you were going to invest and be paid by a crypto company that you might take some of it in the product that you are going to be out here promoting. And so apologies on behalf of us. We got to get that right. Make sure we do better. Trevor Lawrence. What you want to say on on behalf of me? I was going to say slow down with
2: the us thing because I was not here spreading misinformation like Trump on January
0: 6th. I'm just letting you know. I, 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 you, you did them things. Nope. You know what? And that's fine. I forgot okay. we're not a team around here. I forgot we're just a bunch of individuals do going through don't this do thing. Do that. No, that's fine. You know what? Jotting that down. Okay. Okay. So like, I, don't give me that look. Your Your ent- Your whole you I and team looking ass. Oh my gosh. Brandon spells it's- team T I E A M. Big fat eye, right in the middle of that some bitch.
2: Team, team,
0: I'm supposed to do this, put myself on the line for the team, man. What team? Oh, ooh,
2: I felt it. Oh, Shouts out to Darius. Uh,
0: well, that's not his name. You get the idea. But uh, anyway, Trevor Lawrence, we're sorry for getting that wrong briefly. Trevor Lawrence didn't lose any of his NFL signing bonus on crypto that we know of. Trevor Lawrence took a bunch of money from a crypto company to promote crypto and then took that sign and bonus in crypto, which again, seems like a pretty understandable thing to do given that circumstance. So crypto thing to do. God, I really just hope he has a good year this year, man. I please Jacksonville take better care of our sweet golden haired boy. That's all I ask. Yeah. I was speaking of sunshine mm. sunshine, Brandon speaking of sunshine, guess what it's time for. What? Brandon, <laughs> guess what it's time for?
2: <laughs> this, that, and the third.
0: <sighs> You're really leaning into like the surfer valley girl voice today, and I greatly appreciate it, Brandon. <laughs> uh, speaking of the valley, I don't know why mm. I do that speaking of transition all the time. i got to stop that. I, feel I, like- I personally love it. Well, and I thank you for that. Yes. Um, the valley of the sun is where Phoenix plays. And last night, Adrian Wojnarowski, Malika Andrews, and the ESPN NBA crew were doing a show in advance of the NBA draft that will be coming up later. And during that time, Adrian Wojnarowski said that Phoenix is, quote, very motivated to find a sign-and-trade partner for DeAndre Ayton, saying, quote, they do not value Ayton on a max contract. So... Brandon, kind of interesting thing to pay attention to going forward here because, man, we are not that far removed from a year ago where this Phoenix Suns team made their way to the NBA Finals. DeAndre Ayton finally looked like he had taken that next step. The reason they were so competitive in that series and in that postseason was because DeAndre Ayton had become such a force in the middle as one of those modern bigs. And the Suns season obviously did not go the way they wanted DeAndre Ayton Appeared to not take that next step, especially in the postseason this year. But I didn't think it would come to this this quick because if you're talking about getting him out of there, Chris Paul certainly aging to the point where we're going to wonder year in and year out. And everyone looking at Devin Booker and saying, All right, at this point, we have to say you are a really, really, really good scorer. And that's probably all we can say right now.
2: Well, I think it wasn't, I think we're at this point now, not because. DeAndre Ayton didn't take a step forward in this last playoffs. It's because he took a step back. Let's be real. Like he was disappeared for a, a lot of times uh we had we had heard the head coach Phoenix Suns say that it was a mental thing, I believe, why he was checked out of a lot of those finals games against the uh, against the Mavericks that he Monty Williams was saying that basically he self-checked himself uh, a lot of different times. This sounds a lot different than the DeAndre Ayton who was on a amazing finals run last year flexing like a rapper at the end of these, these big games with his chains. And uh, he just looked like he had arrived. He looked like the second coming of Shaquille O'Neal. And I was so excited to see a, a big man dominate the way he's able to dominate. But like some young people in these first couple contracts, something's up, and he's not happy. And if he's not, if he is happy, he's too happy. So happy that he's not performing well, like I e Nick Nick Young for the Lakers. Like I, I think there's something there, and I think a new team would help. But I, I don't want to act surprised like this came out of nowhere. This was a steady decline last year, and it seems like he was doing a Uh, Lamar Jackson style, I'm going to prove how how much I'm worth. And uh,
0: he proved the opposite. It's one of those things, too, where while we can look at the Suns and say, all right, they felt obviously close two years ago coming off the bubble season. They were a really good team for the majority of this season. You always get in trouble no matter what sport in paying someone far more than they're worth. And DeAndre Ayton, while he has had solid spurts, Doesn't look like a guy you want to give something approaching the Supermax to. And so if that's your option, now going out and being aggressive and figuring it out, and reports from uh, Kevin O'Connor over at the Ringer indicate that the Pistons and the Hawks are two teams that have been connected to pursuing DeAndre Ayton potentially. Like, you got to get a haul back for this because... Devin Booker is still a good enough piece. And while Chris Paul is healthy in that backcourt, you've still got enough in the bones there to continue to be a presence in the Western Conference as we see and talk about. All right, Golden State sitting atop a Western Conference that has a bunch of questions in areas that have been positions of power before. If you're the Suns, I don't know how much ground you want to yield to the point where you go back and now we look at you the same way we've been looking at Utah and Denver, where, Mm. yeah, all right, you can do a lot of this fun regular season stuff, but we haven't seen you come close outside of Phoenix in the area where it counts in the modern NBA. And treating all of those teams right in that you know West Valley area isn't where the Suns want to go back to, not while they've got someone of Devin Devin Booker's caliber on that team.
2: Yeah, and I think I think it proves how, how just how much getting knocked out of the playoffs the way they did really stunned the team, and really like set them back. And they're feeling like they need to start from scratch. When, like you said, they arguably had one of the best regular seasons last year, and you know they were a one seed for a reason. And it looks like all of it went to shit. And I don't know if it's it's a combination of. Too old with Chris Paul, too young with Devin Booker. Uh, it just seems like, I, I don't, I, it seems too knee jerky, especially they're making a lot of big moves. Uh, I, obviously, they just announced that uh, Morgan uh, Cato is the new assistant GM, uh, VP of basketball operations. Um, Somebody's been around the program for a long time and uh, the first black woman, or first woman of color to hold an assistant GM title. Uh, in the N- NBA, so they're making a lot of big changes, as if they imploded the way that we kind of saw them implode. So I'm interested in and in, in if there's some overcorrecting that happens with the Phoenix Suns, uh, just because I mean let's not let's not forget their their front office has gone through some some troubled. Uh, headlines like the the Washington Commanders have recently.
0: Yeah, well, i I said say the top of that organization. Like, certainly, you know, James Jones and Monty Williams are people that we've looked at and, and felt like we've largely been able to trust and have done a solid job there. I think this is one of those that it's just, hey, like, we're not going to overburden ourselves financially in a way that does even more harm. We were just reading the other day the salaries for guys like John Wall and Russell Westbrook that all of a sudden become this albatross when you bet on someone either at the wrong point in their career or someone Mm -hmm. who is just not worth that percentage of your overall salary. So. I think this ends up being a prudent move by the Suns, provided they get the proper haul in return. And for a player DeAndre Ayton's age, who's shown some of the potential that he has, I'd have to imagine you're going to be able to get something solid in return. Brandon, though, let's get to that. Or should I say the. (laughs) Because this is a wild one, man. Like We have heard for years and years in those introductions on primetime football games, players that get introduced and say the name of their school, the Ohio State University. Well... On Tuesday, the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office approved Ohio State's application by issuing a registration certificate. It allows Ohio State to control the use of THE on clothing, namely shirts, ball caps, and hats, all of the foregoing, being promoted, distributed, and sold through channels customary to the field of sports and college athletics. Brandon, Ohio State got away with trademarking the word THE. And I understand they're going to pronounce it the, but holy hell, this has always been something that I have found a little bit off-putting, like, man, we get it, whatever. But to go this far, I can't knock the hustle from a business standpoint, but no. it does just seem wild that it was this easy, apparently, yeah, to trademark things the? Like,
2: oh, I didn't, I didn't know you could just do that you could oh you can just ask and fill out some paperwork and put the on on shirts and, and and profit from them like especially from a university who's how do I say this uh their quarterbacks aren't even sure exactly how to say the name um I believe it was Terrell Pryor famously uh saying that he was going to the University of Ohio State um oh, yeah. which is not how you say it um and uh Cordell, uh, was the famous, uh, Cor- Cordell, pa- Cordell Patterson. Patterson, not Cordell Patterson. No, the oh, Cardell Jones, Cardell Jones, where I, 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 didn't come to, I didn't come to Ohio state for school or we what, didn't that, come, that, that, we didn't
0: come here to play school is the, we didn't come here to play Cardell yeah, Jones so- quote that should live in infamy, by the way, baller <laughs> quote, I loved it. I will always support that quote, Cardale Jones. One of the more insane, not for nothing. One of the more insane postseason runs ever, and 12 Gage as gauges—the nickname was pretty badass.
2: Oh, awesome! Yeah, and he—I mean, he probably gained a million Twitter followers from that tweet alone uh, back when 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 it was in these streets. But I said I say, I don't, I don't like Ohio State getting anything more than they already have. Simple as that. I don't like it. Y'all already got the world. Y'all got the moon. Y'all got all the coaches. Y'all got all the players. Hell, Notre Dame's head coach is the alma mater of Ohio State. The Ohio State. Just just let us live. Leave us alone. Leave the alone. Leave A alone. Leave all the different articles and the sentences alone as well. Just just do this quietly. Do this quietly. I'm I'm I'm, I'm upset I'm upset that they got thee. By, by the way, that, that was I was word.
0: I was wrong that it was that easy. Apparently, they've been trying to do this since like 2019, and obviously yeah, yeah. this had they taken, and, taken a little yeah. bit of time. They 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 yeah. did their thing on that one, which is
2: so. I mean that does seem like to get the on your like to own the you can wait two years. Like, that that does seem like just a, a normal waiting period. If somebody was to go out and and, and take a like, what would, what would Notre Dame? What
0: do we need? What would we need? I mean... Like, like from, to, well, to, to, to I mean, sell listen, our things the way we want listen, to. Listen, not, not throwing stones from a glass house, but the whole play like a tam- champion today thing, the people in Oklahoma, who we just played in the College World Series and lost to, would... Have some questions about the origin of that, that Lou Holtz and company brought into existence back in the day. Notre Dame, I believe, just recently trademarked that not too long ago in the last few years. So that would probably be our thing. And certainly there are people that have some gripes with that. So maybe they can have the. Yeah. Maybe they can have the. I don't like it, but go ahead. All right, Brandon, let's get to the third, because this is something that everyone can support here. We have football and dogs, and Lord knows we spent enough time talking about bad NFL headlines today. This one is fantastic. One of who ended up being one of the four finalists for bested show at the Westminster Dog Show is Winston, the French Bulldog, who won the best of the non-sporting group. One of Winston's co-owners happens to be Morgan Fox, a defensive lineman who signed with the Los Angeles Chargers after stops with the Rams and the Carolina Panthers. And you scroll through his timelines, and boy, oh boy, the proudest owner in the world tweeting through all of this. Just warm my heart, Brandon, to see someone getting to excel in another area off the field. We see plenty of guys in football go into things like horse racing where they'll fund that and mm-hmm. get involved in some of those events. I think this is a much more wholesome approach. I think this is something that certainly we can all ooh and ah and go on to a little bit more and something that I want to see rewarded because the very good boy should have his place in the sun here. I did appreciate the humility of Morgan Fox, who when someone tweeted at him, congrats to Winston for winning the non-sporting group, Morgan Fox, I know you must be proud. Has Winston been training with you on the field to get a leg up on the competition? Which Morgan replied, apparently I should be training with him. And it's always good when the owner can acknowledge that the dog is the superior athlete in the family.
2: Yes, uh, Morgan Fox, whose Twitter handle is, hey, mo fox, Which is great in itself. He said, if this is how my parents felt watching my games all these years, I apologize. I love that proud parent, very nervous. And just like a proud parent watching a football game, his son was out there killing it. Like Winston was doing a really, really good job. He looked beautiful. It's almost like you're in disbelief. Like I can, I can imagine putting myself in Morgan Fox's shoes and be like, I really can't believe that's my son out there well, <laughs> making these moves and, and getting to the final four of this amazing event. And
0: this is the guy that I just tell him, you know, stop licking your paw or get out of your butt, you know? Well, it is amazing, too, that – and we remember talking to Charlotte about this which she said everyone – and Charlotte Wilder who joined this podcast and is – covering the Westminster dog show said it's the best because everyone involved feels good. None of the dogs know if they've really won or lost. They all feel happy out there because they're all being loved and supported and cheered on. And the proud parent thing, like for the dogs in my family, and I'm sure, you know, this with Brody, your dog, like, They don't have to do much for me to act like they have given me the world as a gift. Like, if my dog so much as snores the right way, I am going to take pictures or a video, send it to the rest of my family as if it's the greatest thing to ever fucking happen. So I can't imagine what I would be like watching my dog go out there in an actual competition. Like, every day is a competition against the world, and my dogs are all winners. And that's not even a real competition like this. And you really get a chance to be selfish. Like,
2: I know a lot of times... Uh, the ki- uh, parents are like, oh, I just really sad for the child. They 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 really wanted that win. Like the dog could care less. You could just intrinsically be upset that you didn't come home with that cash money. And uh, but at least the dog was, uh, you know, did some productive things while while uh, while away from from his owner. Yep. I, I would never have a dog that was disciplined enough to do anything and that requires discipline and be rewarded from it. If that makes sense.
0: You're right. And and I'm totally with you on that, but I think you make a great point. Even if it doesn't go well, yes, you as the human might deal with some things you didn't want out of it, but what did your dog get to do? Go get a little exercise, get a couple of extra pets and get to hang out with some new friends. Sounds like an awesome day. It kind of sounds like a visit to the dog park, which we all know is a magical yes, place where everyone audience. goes. Yes, it was a new audience, some new butts to sniff, and a few extra treats along the way. And boy, oh boy, isn't life just the treats we met along the way? Oh, isn't
2: life just the treats that we met along the way? Just like vacation is just eating in a new lo- eating in a new area code. Uh, mm-hmm, so that was beautiful, mm-hmm. Mike. Much better said, much well said. Okay, I'm just going to quit, period. I don't even know what I'm going to say. Pat Connaughton,
0: player options. (laughs) Thank you, as always, to everyone that's made it this far into the podcast. Keep downloading, subscribing, rating, and reviewing. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. We'll try and do better with words. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
1: This is the story of The One.